Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and I'm very excited to be joined by the most handsome man covering the NHL and Kyle Bukoskis of sports. And thanks so much, Kyle, for, for taking the time and coming on. Thanks. I, I feel there's a few uh, that would dispute that uh, that title. That's know. very kind of you to say, Alex. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take it, I guess. Anyways. Definitely the best hair. I'm sure you get that a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's funny how it's kind of taken a, a life of its own. I, I said in the past, like, I don't know, even like through high school, like there was no sense of like, oh, I got to do my hair today. Like it was just not even uh, something I thought of. So the fact that that's now kind of become part of uh, what people associate with me, it's it's great. Like, I, 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 you know, I'll take that over, you know, being the guy that sucks on air. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. um, it's it's a lot of fun. Great. Well, I mean, you're definitely more than hair. So we'll, we'll get a bit to your career um, as well, Kyle. And and I just want to normally on the show, I ask the guests, especially journalists, kind of like, when did they become like kind of wanting to go in this field? But um, sorry, there's a fly. Um, but yeah, yeah. for you, starting in Campbell River, BC, and then going to Sportsnet by the age of 20, so young, like how did that all come about for you? Yeah, it was a lot of like right place, right time, and and the right people were there. Like it just everything lined up um, in a real positive way yeah, so early on for me that um, sometimes I still wonder how it all mm. kind of came about. But um, I mean, I, I did my my broadcasting school in in Calgary at uh, the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology um, or SAIT for for those that are from around there. And so in my last year, there was a, a woman who like just happened to be filling in. A mat lead position that that year like my last year of school there so she was only there the one year also um and so she was uh her position that she was filling in was like communications for for the athletic department and part of her role was trying to find uh you know mainly like students from my program uh to do like the commentary because they had webcast all the varsity games for you know friends and family whoever that you know wanted to tune in from around the world and essentially they could do it um, so that's how she got familiar with my work. Cause I, I did as much of that as I could, uh, when I was going to school there and towards the end, she mentioned, she said, well, I don't know if I told you this before, but you know, my dad's a, the news director at, at Sportsnet, and, you know, I was back home visiting uh, over reading week and, uh, I had mentioned you and kind of, you were interested in sports and, uh, to him and, and he wants to see some of your work. So, I mean, at that time, I just thought like it would be the most cool thing to have someone in that position just provide some feedback because I'd been putting together a demo tape. I was a couple months away from graduating and it was time to start kind of putting some feelers out there for jobs. And I sent the tape off to him and, and he got back to me a few days later and, um, you know, said some good things and things to work on. And, and I thought, this is really, this is awesome. And he'd asked, you know what, I understand you're finishing school soon. Like, what do you have planned going forward? And I just still not thinking anything of it. Like, I, you know, nothing yet. I'm just starting to apply and we'll see where it goes. And but a day later, um, on a Saturday, I, I get an email from a guy by the name of Scott Moore, who I didn't know at the time. Um, but he was the he was the president of, of broadcasting for for Rogers Media then, and so he said that he had the demo reel passed on to him, and uh, and that he he wanted to bring me out to to Toronto for an interview and an audition. And so yeah, I mean I was still 19 at the time, wow. still in school, and so yeah, like it just felt I don't know it was it was such a out of body experience reading that for the first time because you know you're told when you go into school 
especially if you want to get to a bigger market, let alone like the mecca of sports <laughs> media in this country. Um, like you've got to play the long game. You got to start small. And I was totally cool with that. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You do like that makes total sense. And, uh, and so to see that it was like, um, man, all of a sudden you're, you're everything kind of went into fast forward. It felt like, um, in a sense. So that's kind of how I, I got my foot in the door there. A few months later, I, I flew out to Toronto and I met with Scott. I, I met with, with Mike English, the, the news director at the time there that, that first saw my tape and, um, you know, got the interview with, with a few people, did a little audition in studio there. Um, like right after Hazel made it like her 6 PM sports net mm -hmm. connected. Um, so that was like really surreal, like going in the same studio that she had just done a national show in, uh, jib camera coming across. It was like, wow, we're like, we're not doing the school newscast anymore. Um, yeah. And then, so I waited over the summer to see what was going to happen if, if they were going to hire me or, or ultimately go in another direction and kind of late August, they said, okay, we'll move you out to Toronto. And so I left there, I left for there at the end of September and started uh, October one that year. And yeah, it's been almost 10 years now that's, that's gone by. It's been gone by really quick. What was the first thing they put you on? What was was it a was it a game? Was it Sportsnet Connected? What what did you start off with? Well, I didn't start on the air right away. Um, and it's funny; it shows you about how I guess now in hindsight how long ago it really was. Um, like I think my maybe my my first day, I think I probably just hung out in the newsroom, met some people. It was a very kind of uh, information taking in uh, type day, and then I think the next day was like the Raptors media day. Mm -hmm. And you think now, like that's a huge production where we send like our features team down, like they're okay. cranking out sit down interviews. Like there's a whole day around like back when, you know, Tim and said still mm -hmm. had their show. Like they would do a live show from there. I believe they have in the past. Mm -hmm. um, like it's a big day now, Raptors media day. Back then they're like, oh, we'll send the new guy in a camera down there. <laughs> you can just stick the mic in the scrums. Um, this was before this was before the uh, the We the North movement yeah. took uh, took hold. So first year, that yeah. was one of my first. Uh, pardon me. I think that was the first. Like it was right before. It was. It was the first year. Like that was the year where, like in December, it was like okay, because Messiah had just come in. Were they going to blow Drake. it all up? And then they ended up, and it seemed like they were attempting to blow it up. They brought Drake in as the global ambassador, and uh, it was they attempted to blow it all up by trading Rudy yeah. Gay to Sacramento. Um, and then all of a sudden they became a much better team after that and got in the playoffs and, and took Brooklyn to seven games. So yeah, that was, that was my first, first assignment. I wasn't, as I said, it was a few months before I actually appeared on air. Um, but yeah, that was day one. And in what the was field. that? What was your first on air uh, appearance? It was, uh, it was like a Leafs off day practice. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, uh, that was the year that they had Bernier and James Reimer. Oh, they were kind of the yeah. tandem. Yeah. And uh, the night before they had, I think they, I don't know, forget who they played. Maybe they lost to Detroit or someone. Um, and that was the, and Bernier started and, and that was in the scrum afterwards. I don't know if he had given up a bad goal or if he had a few behind him. And he was asked in the scrum afterwards about, you know, were you glad uh, that they left you in? Till the end of the game and he's like what do you mean he goes you know they didn't get pulled and he goes well why would i get pulled and there was like that awkward so that was like the next day afterwards um <laughs> so that was just it was just like a report filed for for connected that uh that night so 
that was that was the first time and and how did you kind of like obviously you've been there for like almost 10 years or I guess we're at 10 years now but um just how how did you get started on hockey night in Canada was doing kind of pre-game post-game and and interview was that something you wanted to do uh just talk a little about that sure yeah I, I mean honestly when I first kind of decided I wanted to pursue you know this this career path I, I hadn't thought at all about hockey night in Canada or like working in NHL broadcast or anything of the sort like I thought like that that was the pros over there that was a completely different world I the dream for me was to be on the anchor desk and and to be reading okay. highlights late at night because I mean I grew up on Jay and Dan and yeah. there's a guy out west by the name of Don Taylor that worked for Sportsnet mm -hmm. for a lot of years and he was brilliant with how he read highlights so that's what I wanted to be like but you know I I started in October and like mid-November so like six weeks into my time at Sportsnet you know the big announcement that Rogers has a 12-year national rights holder agreement with the national hockey league and i was like holy crap like all of a sudden now this place i just started working at is going to be the the home of the nhl for over 10 years um so that was kind of step one it was like all of a sudden i'm working at the place that has the games um and then summer of 2016 there was some major shakeups at at our shop and uh, they needed uh, a new rinkside host uh, in Montreal because we still had the, the regional package at the time. And I was living in Ottawa back then, uh, my first go around living in Ottawa. Oh, and yeah, I got a call one day. I, I'd flown back. I'd gone back to the island. My brother had just graduated high school. So I went back to there for you know his prom and grad and all that. And uh, I got a phone call. I was flying back to Ottawa. I was connecting through Vancouver, land in Vancouver. I get a phone call and they say, hey, um, you know, we would like you to move to Montreal and, and to host the, the Canadians games for us. Um, so that was like the first chance to, to be on an NHL show. Um, and then with that, even, you know, then the schedule comes out. I remember that fall, that September was the World Cup of Hockey in Toronto. Yeah. And so I was there for a couple of weeks covering that. And so the schedule comes out for the first part of the year for the broadcast. Mm -hmm. And I just remember opening it and like, we started that season in Buffalo. Montreal played there on a Thursday night, and then they played in Ottawa on the Saturday, the first hockey night in Canada of, of the season. And and I just saw, like, nobody gave me a heads up or nothing. I just looked at the schedule, and, like, there's my name next to Bob Cole <laughs> wow. and Gary Galley doing the game. Oh and God. I was like, all right, Saturday. Um, so that was another day I'll, I'll never forget. Um, and then it just, that, that, was, that was such a critical year you know, working with, so it was John Bartlett and, and Jason York were the commentators mm -hmm. uh, in the booth for, for the Canadians back then and uh, producer by the name of Scott Lennox, like the, our, our group there and uh, the late Blair Tetro, he directed a lot of our games. Um, he passed away mm -hmm. just over a year ago now, um, but it was a, a really, really fun team. Uh, NASA Caria did the, the stats for us. Um, it was just a great environment to be in, to learn, to kind of have some freedom with how we wanted to do the shows like we had to fill a lot of our intermissions so coming up with ideas of um you know how to fill the gaps in that way um was a huge step for me um yeah. and then after that year they said okay we'd like you to, to host leaf games the majority of leaf games on on saturdays and it's just kind of a little more each and every year since how, how do you approach hosting games and, and doing the interviews like what what's kind of your process if you can give us a bit of the behind the scenes of how you how you work yeah i mean i guess there's not like kind of one way of thinking um i, I worked with a producer for a lot of years by the name of shirley najak and and he's 
been like the greatest mentor I, okay. I, I, I've, I've ever had. Um, and I've been fortunate to work with a lot of really wonderful people and still do. Um, but he was, he was so instrumental in just kind of changing my thinking around all of that, like in terms of this, cause a lot, you know, there's interviews of course, but there's also like storytelling throughout the show mm -hmm. that we, we try to do as well. And, um, so he's, he's a big, you know, he's big on, you know, feel like what feels right. Um, big on tone. How do you present yourself in certain situations in terms of like the, the level in your voice, the warmth in your voice, are you, are you a little more straightforward? Can you be a little more playful in certain times? Um, always under the filter of, of clever when we can. Mm. Um, so all of that factored in, it was just, it was such a, a wonderful learning experience to try to get into the same headspace as, as he was. And I, you know, of course, I don't think anyone can be in the, in the same, the same mindset that, that he can get to. He's in a world of his own, <laughs> but, uh, but it was, it was a really, really great time just to, to learn. And so now like it's, yeah, a lot of it is, you know, what, what feels right, what, what makes sense. And, um, you know, he, I probably agonized the most over like that first yeah. kind of seven o'clock whip around where they go to all the reporters for the early games. Um, Ron does his, the tease plays, Ron comes on camera, does his opening in studio and then throws it off to the, the different reporters, depending on how many games we have at, at seven o'clock, uh, on a given Saturday. So that, you know, 30 to 45 seconds is like, we really gotta, gotta hit it out of the park there to, you know, depending on what we're talking about, like what's the storylines that that's worth hitting there, the content that is their video included, is there sound, is there pictures, a graphic, all of it. Um, so that can be one that probably occupies my mind the most. And then um, the interviews, I, I don't know, like, I mean, you wanna be, obviously well well researched and, and be in the know of what's what's going on um i mean it helps having done it for for a couple of years now you kind of get to to know the the players in terms of their tendencies in interviews um like certain lines of questionings where you feel you can get more more out of them and still being respectful of wherever their minds may be at at a, at a given time in the intermission at the start of warm-ups what have you um so just kind of trying to to read the room, if you will, there. Um, and then it's like, you know, for the the stuff that we do in games, like the little stories out of a commercial break going to commercial, when there's a, a stoppage in play and, and enough time to squeeze something in, um, you're just kind of throughout each week gathering mm. things that that could that could uh, that could possibly fit there. Like we never really like between me and, you know, Jeff Girdat's the producer I, I work with primarily now, you know, we never put a cap on how many different stories we want to have come to the table with. Um, certainly the, the more, the better, I think, um, without going too crazy, um, but just whatever makes sense. And then you kind of let the game decide when certain stories gets in, because not all of them are going to, there's just not enough time usually. And, and usually, and, and if I don't get in a lot during a game, then that usually means that the game's really good. Like there's okay, too much yeah. happening on the ice. That's like, yeah. we got to show that instead, instead of having me jibber jabber for 12 seconds. Um, so that means the game's good. Um, so that's, that's kind of, that's kind of it. Like there's, there's different kind of areas that, that you all, we all touch on is what's the opening look like? What is our in-game kind of list of stories? And then the interviews are kind of more so just in, in real time, like you're reacting to, to what's going, what's going on. And, um, 
having kind of the the background of of whoever you're you're speaking to hopefully going in and um trying to ask the the right questions in the moment and how do you manage well two things the first one is how do you get them to open up i mean especially hockey players uh not trying to offend any but they're not necessarily the the best interviews per se um <laughs> how, how do you get them to open up and and i know you have the famous uh, brad marchand uh incident um a couple years yeah. ago how do you manage those relationships with players especially when you interview them and and what happened like especially with that like what happens if they get upset at you is there a give and take like how do you have those relationships with players and how do you get them to open up yeah i i don't know i mean i guess you just try to you know treat them respectfully um i I certainly try to approach the line of questioning like i never want to feel like they're being backed into a corner or i'm trying to get them to to say something specific um you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, that's, that's probably a better question for, for the players. Like I, I, yeah. I, I wish, you know, I, I, cause, mm. cause I mean, certainly there's, there's some, there's some players that um, just aren't, aren't comfortable in those situations or don't like doing them. And, and that's fine. And there's no, you know, like I can try and try like heck, we all try like heck yeah. and, uh, and you just don't quite get much out of them and, and that's deep. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Um, but yeah, and then in terms of kind of managing when things go south, like I, I remember one year when I when I did the the games in Montreal, um, it was when it was Subban's first game mm. back uh, in Montreal after being traded to Nashville. We had <laughs> we interviewed Shea Weber in the first intermission, and I asked just like a it was a really dumb question. I mean, the interview it was two questions, and the interview probably in totality maybe lasted thirteen seconds. Oh my god! Um, like he was just he had. I mean, he's he's um, he's. I mean, he he doesn't have. Uh, he's a man of few words. I mean, okay. at the best of times in front of the camera, okay. um, but there it was like he, he had better places to be, and speaking to me was not one of them. So anyway, I was like, oh man, I felt really bad about it. I was like, because I'm right away. I'm going. Why did you do that? That was dumb. Um, and so a few days later, we were in Vancouver. We just had an off day practice, and so I just I, I went up to him in the room afterwards, and I I apologized. I said that was bad question, bad timing for me at that time. Like, um, shouldn't have put you in that spot. And he was like, oh, like don't don't worry about it. He goes, that was that was on me. Like I'd taken a bad penalty late in the period. I was pissed off about that. Like I just I was ready to crack a stick over a wall kind of thing. Um, and then like our working relationship was never better after that. Yeah. So um, I, I think, and and Elliot Friedman, you know, taught me that lesson and that if, if a player, you know, has, has a problem with, you know, something that you like a question you ask, or, you know, in his case, something that he writes, like make yourself available, show your face, uh, be at the rink. And then if you know, again, that there's a problem, like try to have that conversation where, okay, let, let's let's talk it out here tell me what you had uh an issue with i'll give you my perspective on it and that seems to be you know the best way to work through it because i mean by and large like they're all good guys that are understandable um Mm -hmm. they know the the role we play and so i think if you're able to keep that line of communication open where when things do go south it's like all right let's hit the brakes here for a second figure out what what went wrong um then then i think you've got a path to to having a better relationships with players going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to take this this uh, this podcast in a quick detour because 
Um, I've had a lot of people when they found out that you were coming on ask me to ask you about Charles Barkley and oh yeah and him talking about your hair. I think he called you the Canadian Tom Brady. Uh, yes. And and I think you said that you actually defer and say that Ryan Reynolds is the Canadian Tom Brady. So maybe just tell us about that <laughs> that whole experience of, of of Charles Barkley. I think it was at the Stanley Cup finals last year, right? So It was. Yeah. yeah. It was uh oh, uh, like a career highlight. Um you know, we knew he was we'd heard he was going to be at the game and um so we put in the request to interview him. He was good to do it. And it was funny, like we, so we went up in the second intermission and because of where he was situated, like he was in the suite he was in, like it wasn't in a location where like one of our broadcast cameras could actually mm-hmm. get their lens on it. So we had to go up with one of our news cameras that we had down there with us and like do it live to tape. And yeah. they had to run down to our broadcast truck and then like play the interview back um, before the period started. So that's the thing. Like it was the interview wasn't live. We just had to pretend it was. Um, (laughs) And so uh, he was, I I think he was, um, you know, your two periods of hockey in uh, the game started at eight o'clock local. So, I mean, he was pretty well hydrated at that point. So he was in a very, I mean, I think he's pretty friendly to begin with. He was very friendly at at that point. And so I think that's probably why the, the, (laughs) the compliments were, were coming fast and furious and, um, and all that. So it was great. Like I, I, he was so welcoming to me and made me feel comfortable because I think mm-hmm. he probably knew that I'm going, Holy bleep. Like this is Charles Barkley here. Like I was yeah. nervous to, to talk to him. I didn't want to screw it up. Um, but he made me feel so comfortable and, um, I, I just, it was great to listen to him. Like, I mean, he's, he's guaranteed money. Like anytime yeah. you put a microphone in front, in front of him, like it's entertainment. Um, and so that was, that was really cool. And then we had him on again during the, the cup final uh, this past year. Uh, he was down in, in Florida at one of the games. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just, he was, he was awesome again. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> if, I, if I get a chance to, to talk to him a third time, I, I will certainly take it because it's, uh, it's, it's just, as I say, it's, it's guaranteed like must-see TV. Like you just let him go and, and he's got something he wants to talk about and, and it's going to put a smile on your face. Yeah, those those must be like the easiest uh, interviews for you, other than the time that you start blushing because he's complimenting you. But uh, <laughs> right. uh, um, with that, because we we talked about the hair, and obviously Charles agrees uh, about uh, your hair. Um, how important do you find aesthetics, and especially when you're on TV? Like, do you really focus on that when you go on TV of how you look, and and how important is that for like a visual form in TV? Uh, to to look a certain way uh, when you're on the broadcast. Yeah, I, uh, it's a good question. Like I'm, I mean, I guess the the hair. I like. I almost feel obligated to like. Okay. I make you got to make sure it's it's put together. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. You got to make sure the hair is. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Everything's in place for it. Yeah. Because uh, I guess it's like it's it's part of the the shtick now. I suppose. But I don't know. But beyond that, uh, yeah, you try to, yeah, you try to look presentable. Obviously, you know, wearing a suit, make sure the tie, the knots, like a nice, nice and snug. It's it's up to the the collar. There isn't a gap there. Um, just little things like that. And, and it's more so just my own, like 
Because, I mean, even playing hockey growing up, you'd wear a suit and tie to games. Yeah. And and I was like that then. Um, just that feeling of, okay, if you're going to do it, make sure um, everything looks nice and crisp. And um, But, yeah, I guess the, the importance of it, I, I suppose, like, I remember the you know one thing we were taught in, in school, whereas there, if you've got something hanging off you, and even I, when I'm watching TV, like I'll notice, like say if a guy's got like a loose earpiece that's hanging over his shoulder mm-hmm. when he's on a desk or something, like I, I see that and now I'm distracted and I'm missing what he's actually saying. Yeah. I'm going, put the earpiece away. You got to do a better job hiding it. Yeah. So I think if, if, if everything's kind of together, um, then there's just, I think, less distractions for, for the viewer potentially to, to look at. Well, I'm here in Ottawa, and I know you live here too, but uh, I'll definitely check. I, I think it's Dino. Is that the, the guy you go to? Yes, yeah. And, Bernardino uh, Salon. And I, yeah. I know I've, I've heard that you use two specific products. Is, is it possible you can share those? Or are those state secrets for you? <laughs> no, there's no secrets here. But I mean, it kind of changes over the years. I don't know. I feel okay. every, every few years, like my hair just gets... Uh, Finally, it's built up a resistance to whatever I've I've got thrown at it, so I got to get something different. But uh, I use like this like Layrite, that's the brand name, like it's okay. like a pomade. Um, okay. So that goes in first, and then uh, I just put a little bit of like the, the Davenous. It's like a molding clay to just oh. kind of, especially when I'm doing when I'm working and 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 on TV, like just to really kind of hammer it into to place there, so that hopefully I don't have to worry about it throughout the night. Has, has there ever been a time where it's it's kind of been like kind of folding apart at the end and you're you're you know worrying a bit and kind of a, a little yeah yeah there's the odd time where yeah second intermission you go to the washroom or something you catch a look in your mirror and it's like things kind of <laughs> lean in you're like oh god come on just keep it together the hard part here in ottawa as you know like when you go to a game here like even oh, such, like, a long... it, such a long walk and yeah. it's like the windiest part of the ottawa valley yeah. to walk across Palladium Drive over to the arena. And we don't have, like, the players obviously get to park right down by the, the loading dock there. There's a short walk in for them. But, you know, for us, we're on the other side of the street too. So we got to make the, the long trek into the, the building each night. So, yeah, when it's the winds of howling late January, minus 20 out, um, oh, I, there's a bit of worry. I remember one game uh, watching, I think it was like, it was like January, one of those cold, like minus 30 nights. And all of a sudden I just see Jamie McClellan and uh, Gordon Miller running. I guess they had a game the next night. So just running across the park right. lot in, uh, yeah. in, in Canada. Get out of there as quick as possible. An experience. Yeah. Um, before I'm going to ask you some, before I'll go, I'm going to ask you some uh, fun questions, but just what advice would you give to journalists coming up in the industry? It's obviously very competitive and, and not, you know, a lot of people are getting laid off, especially in the writing realm. Just what advice would you give to, to young sports journalists specifically? Yeah, it's, it, it's hard. Like, cause I, I wish I had, wish I had the answers, but you know, the fact is like, it's just, it's tough to get a sense of where the industry really is going. I mean, clearly it's, it's shrinking in the more traditional mediums. Um, and as podcasts have become more and more popular and and certainly more more lucrative um that's great but like where is kind of the future there um i don't know uh i would say like i guess the 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 more versatile you are um that certainly helps a lot um but you also have to have like what you are right like Mm -hmm. as great as being the jack of all trades master of none like there should be something where you go like 
I know I can get that guy to do this because he's really, or she is really good at it. Um, so to try to find that balance there. And the great thing is like the fact that you're able to do um, regardless of where you're at in terms of experience, um, how early you are uh, going on in, in your career, if you're just thinking about it, like doing things like, like this is, I mean, it's so easy to do now mm-hmm. um, to have your own podcast or to have a YouTube show or whatever it is. Um, you can do all of that at home. Uh, and then I think just in terms of, of approach and, and mindset and all that, it's, it's being somebody that others enjoy working with. Um, you know, like it's, it's okay to say, I don't know, like, I know, like for a young person, you're coming in, you want to have all the answers, you're eager. Um, but it's okay to, to kind of just allow, you know, the, the whole process to take hold, allow those that have been around longer to help you along the way. Um, like I know, certainly for me looking back, was I truly ready to be like a ringside host for the Montreal Canadians? Probably not. Um, and I made a lot of, a lot of mistakes along the way, but I think because I was determined to be as prepared as possible, each show we did, uh, my work ethic was never going to be an issue. Like I I wanted to make sure that the crew could trust me that I was going to bring what I needed to, to the table each game. So I think as the mistakes came and went, like, I think there's still a feel of we're willing to work with this kid because he's determined to, to get better. Um, so I, I find if, if you're able to have that approach with, with a lot of things uh, early on, I think that that sets you up well and uh, it, it creates a, a good reputation for, for oneself, which is important because it is a, a very small business uh, in, in the grand scheme of things. And, um, you know, I go back to the, the Elliot Friedman line that, that the right people are, are always watching. So um, mm-hmm. if you're constantly, you know, doing your, your best effort in whatever it is, um, you know, there's, there's, should there should be some some hope some tangible hope and and belief that you know the the opportunity to to do something that ultimately you you thought uh is what you wanted uh would be there will be there at some point down the road well i that's very well said and i think uh, a lot of journalists on on the show have, have mentioned how uh, small a world it is and and yeah things get uh, around so i think uh, treating people the right way sounds and and working your butt off sounds like a Good advice to people. So uh, thanks for sharing, yeah. Kyle. And um, I want to ask you a couple of fun questions. And the first one is if, Kyle, tomorrow Sportsnet comes to you and says, actually, Gary Bettman's resigning and you're the uh, commissioner of the NHL, uh, what rule would you change on, on your first day in office? Oh, that's a good one. Um, maybe I'll, I'll try to be... I'll go for a little more drastic here. Okay. I would try like like let's let's get rid of offsides. Wow. Okay. I heard that uh, recently as well. Yeah. You yeah. did, eh? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Where so, I feel we're already moving to kind of this positionless hockey, slowly but surely. So let's take offsides out of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And okay. See so, where that goes. So it's not it's not the offside review. It's literally just you get rid of it. You're right. Done. We're we're just gonna go kind of uh, shinny style. Yeah, we'll keep okay. the icings. Okay. We'll keep the hybrid icings. Okay. Okay. But, uh, and you can keep the blue lines for aesthetic purposes, but uh, huh. offsides no more. I like it. I like it. And 
in in your career you've been have you been to every nhl arena like with seattle and vegas now have you been to every arena i haven't been to i've been to seattle i have not been to the climate pledge okay um i haven't been to the arizona state yeah arena that's i think that that might be the only two okay so out of did you say wait you said you went to climate pledge or you haven't been to i have not been no okay um so out of the arenas you've been to what is your favorite place to cover a game uh it's tough to beat a saturday night in montreal wow okay it really is um vegas is awesome uh for all the reasons you think it would be they just put on a heck of a show um so if you even if you're working a game you feel like you're being entertained um but those are the the two at the top for me Mm -hmm. and with obviously you were at the the stanley cup finals uh this year what was that like for you and 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 how good do you think is it for the game that it was two markets in vegas and and, in florida that aren't necessarily the the big uh the big markets in in the stanley cup finals yeah i I think in terms of the you know the sunbelt storyline and and all that i just found like it was it was two really good stories like regardless of kind of where, where they play. Um, and I think the whole purpose is to, to grow the game. Right. Um, and you think about some of the conversation with, with a buddy about this the other day, you know, think about like the team USA, like miracle 1980. I mean, it was basically, you had players from Minnesota and you had players from the Boston area, right? Like that was it. Um, because those are the kind of the two hockey hotbeds in the States from a collegiate perspective. And now you got players coming to the NHL from, from all over yeah. um, because the leagues, the league has expanded and there's been success in, in other parts of, of the U S and um, you know, Canada has just been, it's hockey has been a part of the fabric for so long already. Um, but that's another, another good example. I mean, it was too bad at the end that it ended up being kind of a lopsided series and the big blowout in, in game five. Um you know, I think from those that love the the drama, maybe you wanted something a little tighter, but um, you know, the, the right team won, I think in, in the end, Vegas was the better team. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was great for us traveling back and forth between Las Vegas, Nevada and, and yeah. uh, down in, in Florida between Fort Lauderdale and sunrise there. Um, yeah, we were, <laughs> we were, we were, uh, we were very spoiled in, in that sense. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to go work, uh, work games, well work games anywhere, but particularly where the weather's nice. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you need to wear your uh, suit other than just being inside the arena, probably. But uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's that's a good one. Uh, uh, Before I let you go, um, just the Sens, obviously, you're here in Ottawa. You cover the team or you're at a lot of games. How do you feel about the new ownership um, and just the the direction of the team uh, going forward? Yeah, it seems like the Michael Andlauer uh, era when it once it gets going officially like it feels like that was ultimately the the best outcome like it would have been awesome yeah if ryan reynolds is part of it and the whole uh the whole circus in, in a good way that that comes along with with that but i think you know after as folks in Ottawa know the years the the eugene melnick years especially when when things got got hairy in the the second half of of his ownership tenure um, there was just a lot of needless noise and drama that uh, I think clearly, obviously, you know, the fans had were fed up with. Um, and we saw, you know, tangible evidence of that. 
but you know, so I think you've got a respected guy who's been in hockey, obviously with his history with the, the Montreal Canadiens and the Hamilton Bulldogs, um, who I think is operates in a little more of a, a quieter sense. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's that's a great thing for for this franchise right now, especially as they're into the mode of now we're trying to get into the playoffs every year and and look at the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know they've gone through the teardown and trying to make good on their high draft picks, and um, so they've got a lot of good players now, and uh, they're they're in a position where it feels like you know that the, the expectation absolutely is is playoffs. It's it's the longest stretch without it that they've gone in in franchise history, which is kind of crazy to think of when you think back to, you know, how poor of a hand they were dealt to start as an expansion franchise in 1992 and like how bad those, some of those teams were in the early years. Um, but they didn't go six years without miss. And then, and this, this current crop, uh, the last few years, that's, that's been the reality here. So I think the the fan base deserves it. I, I still, I think back to, you know, the, the back-to-back games in Ottawa here against Detroit, Detroit where it felt yeah. like, okay, this was, are you going to make a push for the playoffs or are you going to go quietly uh, again and, and fall into that, you know, 12, 13 spot in, in the conference? And they swept them aside. What was it? 6-1, 6-2, they beat them. It was like a, yeah. a straight sex tennis win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I just, I just to feel the buzz around the building, it's something I hadn't felt in Ottawa uh, since you know working their their playoff run a bit of it in, in 2017 so it was neat to see that again to feed, you know the 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 fire within the the fan base um, and now we'll see once once Andlauer I can't see him coming in and being like changes no. changes changes in terms of you know bringing in different people in the front office or whatever it may be um, but it'll be interesting to see once he he gets in gets settled starts talking to people around the organization about what's working, what's not, what's keeping them from taking the next step, and then ultimately um, what he decides to do moving forward. Um, it's going to be really, really fascinating to, to watch because I can't, I can't see it being status quo, but I think uh, it'll, it'll take some time, I think, before those decisions are made. Well, I'm definitely excited for, you know, just a, a steady hand is probably the best way to describe it, it seems like. Sure. Bringing in and spending as much money as they can it seems to make the team good which always helps um uh but which canadian team obviously you i think you basically every year you you're at uh every canadian team's game and and hosting Uh, which do you think will be the best canadian team next year i gotta think edmonton it feels um like you just see it in their their body language, their tone after losing out to, to Vegas. Like, I think they, and I guess, you know, in hindsight, they were probably right to think so. Like if, if they had beaten them, um, they had a really good chance at, at winning the cup. Um, I think they, in a lot of ways, they, they are right, right there. Um, you never know. Uh, but I think with McDavid, with Dreisaitl, and, and as that team has, has gotten a little deeper, like it's, it's not just those two so much anymore. Certainly on a lot of nights it is, but um, there's a little more around them now um, than there had been in the past. It just seems like they're on that on that trajectory. Like they get to the third round two years ago, and it just they ran into a Colorado team that was not losing that year, um, and then felt probably that they were good enough to to beat Vegas, but all of a sudden the series slips away on on home ice. Uh, so now you go through the whatever debrief you got to do to reset yourself over the off season. And, um, 
I think I, it feels like, you know, Edmonton has, has the best shot as of right now. I don't like doing the predictions much about well, who is going to make the playoffs and all that. Um, Cause it's like, well, how, how is anyone supposed to know? Um, but, but it feels like just in terms of where they're at and kind of their trajectory, um, they're in a spot to, to really, to really be a, a serious threat to, to win it all. So Somebody please just do it. It's been yeah. like, Oh yeah. And, and that's good for 30 you. years. Sportsnet too, obviously uh, it'd be, I'm sure the Habs playoff run was, was fun for you guys as well. Uh, like in, it was great, but it was just such a weird COVID. time. Cause yeah. I mean, they're like, well, we can only have 6,000 people in here or whatever it was, yeah. um, but we can have 50,000 standing outside. Uh, like it was just such a bizarre, obviously weird. with the all Canadian division and how it was all set up. Um, like it didn't feel like a true Canadian mm-hmm. Uh, Stanley Cup run. Uh, it was special in its own unique way, um, but it different for sure. Yeah. Um, not. I don't have an elite prospects page, and I believe you do uh, for Campbell <laughs> River, and I know you played yeah. at a pretty high level. Um, just, oh. Kyle, uh, and I think you, you made the BC, or is it the Island Championships? I, I read somewhere that you, you guys did very well one year, but for you, Kyle, which NHL player is your player comp in terms of the way they play uh, compared to your game. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually the, uh, I actually had that one time, I think my first year of like my, in the under eight team uh, team that we were on, um, they went through and, and I had all the different NHL players, like the coaching staff went through and had a list okay. of all the NHL players. And we had to kind of guess, okay, which, which on our team is most like a certain player. Anyway, I, I was linked to, to Eric Stahl. Okay. Um, just as, but, and, you know, Eric Stahl in his, in his prime, but I, I was still, I don't know. I think he, Eric Stahl, I think still too smart a, a player, obviously. I mean, he's played in the NHL and I never got there, but I could see kind of what they were thinking just as kind of a taller okay. centerman. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, it's tough to say. Maybe, I, maybe I was a little bit now in, in hindsight, I was maybe a little more, like Jordan stall, um, okay. probably not as heavy, but just okay. in the sense that like I killed penalties. Um, I took great pride in face-offs and, um, you know, even in my first year there where I wasn't quite good enough to, especially when it came around to playoff time and we weren't a very good team anyways, but, um, I was probably like the 13th forward on that team, but I was like the face-off get off guy in the defensive oh, awesome. zone. Cool, cool. Um, but anyway, so that's, that's kind of how I was, but I, 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 I kind of have to, um, I chuckle and I feel sheepish about the fact that I don't, I don't even know how I got an elite prospects page because I think it's making me out to like, I was a much better hockey player than I ever really was. Like we, uh, in my, my hometown of Campbell River, like my age group, um, I mean, there were some good, good rep teams that came through there. My age group was never one of them. And then we had one year where everything kind of came together. My, my second year, uh, on the U18 team, um, where we, we won the Island championship there. And that was just, yeah, it was a great feeling just because all we had done our whole childhood up until that point was basically was lose. Like we didn't come anywhere close to playing in a Island championship. So that was a whole new experience for us and getting to go to provincials and experience the the whole thing there. Um, but yeah, other than that, it was, it was a lot of, you can ask my parents, there were a lot of long, long nights in the, in the rink watching, watching their boy get absolutely beat to hell by other teams up and down the the island and then having to drive all the way back afterwards and 
I'm sure they had much better things to do with their time, but I appreciate that they <laughs> allowed me to keep doing it. When you when you won, were you able to give the uh, island uh, trophy to Rod Bridmore? Was that was that something you kind of paraded in uh, Campbell River with uh, Rod? No, no, no. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah, his trophy was slightly bigger when he won in 2006 than than the Wait. one that that we got. So yeah. they they they'd set up a whole you know parade and everyone got to come through the the kind of downtown square there to get their photo with it. But yeah, for whatever reason, they didn't offer the the same kind of uh, uh, celebration throughout the whole city for, for yeah. us there, but yeah. uh, no, that's okay. Well, <laughs> thank you so much, Kyle, for taking the time and doing this. Uh, um, I just want to give you the floor. What are What's coming up for you at Sportsnet? Are, I actually saw you at the Rogers cup last year, so I don't know if you're going to be there again. You did? Oh, okay. I did. You're on, you're on the, Court, the second court in Montreal you were interviewing. Yeah, right? that's my that's my home on the yeah. B court. So yeah, yeah well, it's actually and it's it's called the National Bank Open now. That, they, they yeah, it. that's it. Yeah, I've uh, seen Rogers Cup, but it, it is the, it's like two years of that. But I, I still can't. Uh, it, this is a promo for uh, for Sportsnet. Yes. Yeah. Well, we've got that. Uh, the main draw starts on on August seventh, so we'll be in uh, in Toronto with the uh, the men's tournament. Uh, this year and uh so that'll be fun it's it's honestly one of my favorite weeks of the year uh love doing hockey don't get me wrong but uh the the athleticism the talent you get to see up close there i mean they're long days and typically in in war very warm weather mm -hmm. uh but man it's it's such a treat to to watch those guys pound that ball back and forth over the net um mm -hmm. they are are so good at what they do um, so that's, that's, that's what I've got. I got a, a week coming up here next month of, uh, yeah, watching tennis up close on, on the B court. And then, uh, before that, uh, getting married here in, in just over a week. So that, uh, that's, that's the, the most important thing going on right now in my life. And then we'll, we'll gear up for the tennis, uh, after that. Well, uh, I, I look forward to, to watching you on, on, uh, Sportsnet as a married man, and uh, I really <laughs> appreciate you uh, taking the time, Kyle, and doing this. I had a lot of fun, and uh, have a great wedding and and great summer, and uh, yeah, just uh, look forward to as well seeing you in, uh, in the the fall and uh, covering the NHL and the Sens and everything at Sportsnet. So thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, of course, Alex. This was a, a treat, man. Thanks very much for for having me.